We're returning to 1 Corinthians 13. As I mentioned, this is one of the most well-known chapter and popular chapter of the Bible. And with such an eloquence and theological conviction, Apostle Paul expounds on the central theme of Christian life, love. But we need to look at this uh, a couple of things in, in mind. One is, without taking that text out of the context, we need to look at 1 Corinthians 13 in light of chapter 12 and 14, which is about spiritual gifts and body life, Christian life, and church life. The second thing is, since this is not just an unrealistic ideology, ideology or poetic, uh, romantic stuff. We ought to dwell on this with much space and chewing and meditate on, on it, not only uh, today, but throughout the weeks. So this is a second message on, on the same chapter. We'll focus on verse 4 through 7 only. And we will stay... Um, Probably two more messages on this one. But let's recap really quick. Verse 1 through 3, Apostle Paul's main theme was uplifting the supreme importance, or should I say, indispensability of love. And we need to look at this very carefully, lest we think that Oh, love is important. Oh, love is good. But I don't have the gift of love. So I'll stick to gift of teaching. So I, it's okay. I'll do second. No, it isn't that. Not all have gift of teaching. Not all have gift of leadership. Not all have gift of mercy. But by the grace of God, we are commanded to love one another as Jesus has loved us. This is what it means to be church. At Crossway, we often say our vision is to be the church that Christ wants us to be. Rather than coming up with its all elaborate, pragmatic goals and visions of what our organization could do. No, vision is already there in Christ's mind. And that we just need to be be the salt and light of the earth. Now what does it look like? At the heart of it is Christians are supposed to be known for our love for one another. That's what first century church was known for one another. But love is tainted. Love is skewed. Love is, became a talk rather than an action. So what, is, what does genuine love look like? What does true love, selfless love look like? And obviously, the context that we ought to think about is not just a, our relationship with kids, our relationship with a husband and wife, which is also applicable, because in light of this context, we should think about the person who are 
surrounding us, starting with the people in Crossway and outside of Crossway. But first, we need to um, be reminded about this word, Greek word, agape. There are four words in Greek words, once again, allow me to be redundant. Eros is most well-known, most used in biblical, uh, secular literature. Eros, everybody knows, typically, from which we got the word erotic love. But once again, the misconception is that Eros is all about sexual love or romantic love. No, it is not. Eros is, uh, focuses on the fact that the object love is attractive. Cause of loving act starts from the object of love. And in, in one sense, it's not just the only word, but it's a goddess of Greek god concept, mythology. And the, guess what? Roman parallel would be Cupid. You know, the Valentines, right? So you are, you are hit by the arrow of Cupid, and then you are helpless but to feel this, fall in love with. That's one extreme and a lot of false ideas and false expectations comes from that. Love is all about feeling things. Agape is on way on the other side. Agape is love acts, initiates, not react. Love doesn't depend on the attraction or loveliness of the person who is loved. And in between, there's a filial, uh, companionship love, affection, brotherly affection, and storge, the blood relationship love. But all love came from God which means agape love is a basis of true love of everything. So we should think about what is Christian love look like rather than thinking about, oh, I am really good at this love. Uh, maybe someday I'll get to that love. Now, what is Christian love? What is genuine, true love as opposed to false, ingenuine love? If agape does not depend on the person who is loved, then two qualities of love makes so much sense. Verse 4, Apostle Paul begins with two primary foundational qualities of love upon which all other characteristics seem to dwell on. It undergirds everything. The first one is love is patient. Why is love patient? More than anything, because the person we are, we are loving can be loving, but it could be the person could be unlovable, 
and rubs you wrong way. And it might be very difficult to feel any kind of affection. Amidst of it all, Christ commands us to love. The command is not like the person. Create that feeling. But command is to choose this agape love. If patience is more of passive side, inward process of um, embracing and receiving that person just as he or she is, the other side of the same coin is active, outward, external act of goodwill, which is kindness. Love is kind. So we are to choose good things to those who, whom we are loving. So upon that now, we're actually taking that the rest of the descriptions of love, true love. Um, altogether, Paul lists 15 characteristics of love. And on, on the top two one is a foundational one. And then now we're going to look at 13. But the way that we're going to outline it today for the... Uh, for, for us to not become overwhelmed at the same time it creates a, a thought line to hang our thoughts and apply more specifically, more intentionally. So we're going to divide into two. What love does not do and what love does. There are eight things that what love does not do. And the five things what love actually does. And it will help us uh, act upon the agape love. Let me stress it one more time. The reason why we are not only dwelling on here in the Apostle Paul's words, love, this love is practical. This is something that you cannot just theoretically talk about. This is something that whether you obey and I obey together with you or disregard it as irrelevant. So with that in mind, let's look at the first one, the first set of what love does not do. Maybe it might be a good prudent idea to read the text one more time because it's short enough. Let's include a verse, a, a verse 4a too. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Love is, love is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Notice that among the eight things, the first three we could categorize as one type of causation. Number one point, therefore, is love does not do the first three things because love does not compare oneself 
with others. Why doesn't he? Why doesn't she compare? Why don't we compare? If we truly love others with Christ's love, with this authentic love, because primary posture is humility. Humility, short definition of humility, is to, to see ourselves the way God sees us. It's not something that, oh, we're so big, and I'm really good at this, I'm going to act like I'm not good at it. That's a false humility. And then we, we grew up in that kind of culture. Many of us who are those Asian Americans, you know, your mom will work all day long to have feast for the family reunion and holiday. And her expression, the first word is, oh, there's not much to eat. <laughs> what do you call those? Take a look at the first one. Love does not envy. Unless I, I mention it, obviously our church uses ESV, English Standard Version. But I thought it would be very helpful in passages like this to include some other translations as well as some other paraphrase. And J.B. Phillips, many of us know a message uh, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson so well. But J.B. Phillips was man who was ahead of his time. 1953, he wrote paraphrase of the entire New Testament. And some of his wording, it is all, all available online in Bible Gateway, is very helpful. He paraphrased envy this way, is not possessive. NIV calls it jealous. Number two, love does not boast. Philip's paraphrase is not anxious to impress. The PR thing, right? Number three, love is not arrogant. Philip's paraphrase will be love does not cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. That's so helpful. So think about this. When we start comparing with others, comparing ourselves with others, two things obviously will happen. One, we're not better than them. We obviously see lack of something the other person has, or the other person enjoys, or successes, all those things. The first thing is envy. It is a default mode of a fallen heart, which means I have never seen who doesn't struggle with envy. I have seen many people who are clueless about their heart, whether they are envious or not. So typically, when I say uh, love is love doesn't envy, but we all envy. And so, so there's always people. I'm, I'm not jealous type. You know why? Okay, think about this. Let's say you are a young parent. All you know is the baby world. And somebody's son is getting married to this very beautiful wedding. 
And then the son is getting married with this not only attractive woman, very successful woman, godly woman, whatever the, the prime goal of the, the best wife or best daughter-in-law. And you look at that as, oh, I am so happy for you. I am genuinely, I don't have any jealous, jealousy feelings. To, obviously not. Because your life stage is not like that. But if you see a baby who sleeps better, who looks cuter, then you go all of a sudden, why can't my baby do that? Oh, they went to this so-and-so photographer and then got this beautiful pictures. Let's go there. Let's beat them. You don't obviously say that. But there's another kind of even worse off, the type of envy. The one typical envy is, I want what the other person has. I want his success. I want her success. I want her possessions, his possessions. But the worst kind of position is, I don't want his possession. I don't want his success. But I don't want him to have it. I don't want her to have it. That's an evil Wicked heart, fallen heart. Unless we choose differently. How about this boasting? When you don't have it, when you feel worse, uh, to fight the inferiority or any kind of feeling that we will have envy. And the other side is we are enjoying our successes. And our son made to magnet school. I, I, our son got accepted this, the, the college that everybody wants to go to. You name it. And all of a sudden, we become pride. I did something right. See, I, I'm good looking. My son is a good looking. I got promoted because I, I deserve it. And most of, at least the Christian level, the self-promotion is subtle. Just want to talk about yourself. Do, 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 do you know that? When you go to the person, and then that person is really into himself and herself, you want to talk about something else, but keeps on going back to that success that he's having, or the business he's having, or children he has. It'll become subtle, but sometimes blatant. Same thing with pride. It's the, uh, I think love is not arrogant. NIV translation is puffed up. Remember chapter 8? Knowledge puffed up, but love builds up. But this idea of air of self-importance, we all know it. Once again, the scripture is not describing, it's just awfully um, bad person 
on the corner of Christian life. I'm talking about Paul is mentioning unless we choose to love, by default, all these things will show up. One thing that we could decide decisively today, I will follow Christ. In so doing, I will not compare myself, my children, my family, my business, my work with others. Number two category is love does not do the next four things because love is not self-centered. Love is primarily selflessness. Number four, take a look at this. Love is not rude. And NIV translation this time is love is not, does not dishonor others. Number five, love does not insist its own way. NIV will say love is not self-seeking. Number six, love is not irritable, is not easily angered, NIV writes. Number seven, love is not resentful. And NIV's words is very helpful because the resentful is not just a feeling of bitterness only, but it keeps no record of wrongs. And once again, what is really love? Love is taking the attention off ourselves and seek others best. Love is other-oriented. But our default mode is self-focus, self-absorption. You want a proof? Facebook Somebody posted group picture. Who do you look for? Your face. What makes a good picture? If you came out good and you're smiling, everything looks okay. But if you're closing your eyes, this is a bad picture. Why don't they put up a good picture? Oh, the extension goes to our kids also too. The group picture of kids. My, pic- my kids look good and that's a good picture. It is natural, almost the natural person, the person who is not regenerated, born again, his tendency is that. As a Christian, we decide to follow Christ, and one thing is required to follow Christ, deny yourself, say no to those self-centeredness. And that's what it means to love, grow in love. Become more like Christ. Christ. So, think about think about this. It's the same thing in a, in a way that love is not rude. If you're really into yourself, you don't become thoughtful about others. 
So in a way, it's not so much of a Western or Eastern etiquette, but it's having bad manner. When you are eating dinner with elderly Asian men and women, uh, grandpas and grandmas, you should be thoughtful rather than thinking, insisting your way of Western culture. You wait, uh, you know, all of us, if not all, but most of us know those typical manners. You don't start eating unless elderly starts. You don't talk loud. But think about this, in Western setting, if you're eating with friends and you are just, oh, I, I love my Asian heritage. So it, it's not really a bad manner to chew with, a, you know, with your mouth open like that, right? So it's a healthy eating. Have you seen those commercials, noodle commercials? <laughs> but if you do that with a Western setting, that's a bad manner. It's the lack of thoughtfulness for others. So you're into yourself again. It's a self, self-focus. What am I feeling is the center of everything. But love, you're really thinking Christ gave us his own life. He came to serve, not to be served. To give his life as a ransom for many. And that should be our posture. To become selfless is to follow Christ. There's one more. And this one stands out all by itself. Love does not do eighth final thing because love pivots or hinges on its God-honoring standard. And one word, truthfulness. Verse 6a, right, Paul says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. J.B. Phillips, paraphrase, he says, Love does not gloat over the wickedness of others. In Romans 12, verse 9, Paul writes to, the, to Christians in Rome and says, Love let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast what is good. So think about other-centered, other-orientedness. And then just because you are really loving that person, the standard is not whatever that person. For example, your son or your daughter, you're loving that person and going astray, lying. Son, Daughter, it doesn't matter what you do. I love you anyway. So I like you even today. It doesn't matter. That's not true love. That's probably desperation of our codependence to be to be liked by our son. In the same way, even ch- church culture also too. If you are really bothered by personality temperament, you are to embrace and be patient, long-suffering with that person. But if you see a wrongdoing, unrighteousness, the things that are displeasing God in loving way, 
We are to hold that brother up, confront that sister. In the name of Christ, that's all about Ephesians 4 saying, speaking truth in love. That's, brothers and sisters, that's the sign of maturity. If you do only one thing or the other, you're just deciding to linger on the childish things of Christian life. But if you speak truth without loving yourself so much that you don't want to rock the boat at all, but it's speaking truth, but in such a way that you're doing so lovingly, you feel the pain of that confrontation. You're not enjoying the confrontation because you're doing it in love. But you have to do it. This also means, think about this, when people we don't like, when they're failing, especially moral failure, I knew it. Or their business is not doing well, oh, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody, everybody, but he deserves it. I mean, even thinking out loud like this, we will not do that as a Christian. Typically, this internal process of judgmental things. And somehow gloating over it. No, we are to weep over the sins of our brothers and sisters. We are to have a heartache when our brothers not doing well financially and business-wise or sister is not doing well. So there are eight things that love does not do. There are five things quickly. The first one is this. Love does the first thing of the list of five because love pivots on its God-honoring standard. I know it's the same thing. Truthfulness. Uh, the other side, a positive side, love rejoices with the truth, is glad with all good men when truth prevails, J.B. Phillips paraphrases. The same thing with envy also, too. Are we really happy when a brother and sister overcomes temptation or patterns or makes a breakthrough or their family is restored, their marriage is restored. We are to be truly happy. In other passages, Romans 12, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. That is a positive side of action of love. And I'm going to mention just briefly, it's not a really guilt thing, but it is an encouragement to all of us. You know, Brian and Hyojong is still going through, it's a long journey. Uh, if you think about their needs, it's overwhelming. But this is what Bible calls. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So it's weep with those who weep. 
we're choosing to love. But can I remind you one more time? The Mars rotation thing is going on. A lot of empty spaces right now. By this time, our small church is tired. I know that. But you know also, the people who are choosing to volunteer, whatever is soy visit or the uh, Jaden or helping out uh, Bryant with rice or meal rotation for Hyojung, the entire, entire family, the people are choosing to do it. There is recycle things. If you're genuinely choosing to do it, and the more you do it, the God who loves mercy and merciful people will provide mercy for us. I could testify as a person, as I'm praying in the fasting and prayer chain, I become so much benefited. And not only that, affections and compassion emerges out of depth of my heart because of the commitment, actual praying together. See, um, because of love, standard is holy and righteous. True love has not only the warmth, but the light that shines and bright, brightens. Easy, easier said than done, right? When it's truth, truth is really popular, everybody wants to get on the bandwagon. But think about the people who went ahead of us, who actually chose loving thing to do when it's not popular. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. has done in, within our, our cultural context. But some, somewhat much more closer, we have known at least one or two or three the, the Christians who modeled before us, who will bring the light. And who will have a saltiness in decaying world? So last four. Love does the next four things because love's nature is primarily patient and kind. I chose one summarizing word, enduring goodwill. Enduring is patience, and goodwill is what kindness really looks like. Do you, do you see this? There's a bookend. The, uh, many of you know this, the literary form of inclusio. When you start with something and ends with something, and basically everything else is defined by these. The patience is that important. Uh, verse 7 starts with love bears all things. 
J.B. Phillips, no limit to its endurance. Love hangs on there. Love does not quit just because that person is difficult to love or just because you don't get pampered by recognition. Love bears all things. And then at the end of verse 7, love endures all things. J.B. Phillips, it can outlast anything even everything else stops. So next two weeks, we're going to talk about permanence of love and preeminence of love. That's because of that. But in between, there's a goodwill of kindness. How does it show? Love believes all things and hopes all things. And don't, don't, don't be overly technical and analytical about that, which means all things. No, it's another translation. It's always. In other words, in relationships, we continually believe beyond, uh, sometimes it's just giving the benefit of doubt. Continually. When others stop believing that in that person at all. Hope's old things. What does it look like to hope's old thing? In spite of despair. In spite of really dark darkness. You give hope. You hold on to hope. Cynicism, in the name of realistic expectations, we will puff out. We will put out the small sparks of hope the Holy Spirit gives us. To our brothers and sisters, who you and I think it's impossible to change certain things. And it's very annoying, and everybody knows that. We hope in Christ. Because God, who changed me, God, who created heaven and earth, is mighty enough to change that person. Little sparks of hope, we hold on to it. And give that hope to that person genuinely. So instead of feeling overwhelmed with this 13 characteristics that we just went over, we should think about this. It's not overnight to become Christ-like. It's not overnight. We have actually eternity to do it. In our life, we, we actually have all earthly years to do it. But it requires practice. requires training. It's so much more about, am I really becoming more loving person? Self-focus points the finger to others. Because of these people, these characteristics, I cannot be more loving person. Or because these people are impossible. And John Orkberg's book title itself is worth enough to 
<laughs> to get that book. He wrote a book about community entitled Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. It is so true. At Crossway, we get to know each other, so everybody is not normal anymore. It is spiritual growth. One way to do it, it's too painful, so I won't do it fully. But think about, if you put Jesus' name in love and everything, Jesus is patient. And he's kind. He doesn't envy. He doesn't boast and get puffed off. And he's not rude. He doesn't rejoice with the wrongdoings. On and on. It feels so right, isn't it? And it took go even further for, to, for us to get inspired and encouraged. Jesus is patient to me. Jesus is kind to me. I, I get emotional just to, to hear that. Because I am feeling all those things. But what if we put our name? I tried it in the past week. I get stuck in the first one. Paul is patient. No, I'm not patient. I have to be honest. I'm terribly impatient with people. While I'm preparing this love message, I'm yelling at my kids because of my impatience. But we are to grow in love. Bear with me. I know I'm, you know, or our time's already up. But this is very important Holy Spirit moment for us. What if we put Crossway name in there? Our vision is to, lo- to, no- to be known for our love for one another. Crossway is patient. Crossway is kind. Crossway does not envy. We're all responsible for creating, cultivating that kind of culture. So in light of that, allow me to wrap up this sermon with this quote from R.C. Sproul. He writes, The way the word love is normally used in our society, it is impossible to create, create it by an act of the will. I can't decide to be in love. When we talk about love, we usually do so by speaking of it in the passive voice. I fell in love, or zing, went to the strings of my heart. Love in the world's view is something that happens to me, not something I can conjure by shutting my eyes, taking a deep breath, and making a decision. But... In the New Testament, love is more of a verb than a noun. It has more to do with acting than with feeling. The call to love is not so much a call to a certain state of feeling as it is to a quality of an action. So my charge to all of us, let's 
Respond to the call of love, Christ's command to love, by choosing to act on agape love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your guidance. These words ring so much true to our hearts, not because we know intellectually it is true, but because we have felt the kind of love that you have given us through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, oh, Father, we repent of lack of love in our actions, the corners of our Christian life and our church life, of self-focus, self-importance. But would you, in your mercy, begin a new work within our hearts so that we may grow in love and so that we may experience this Christian love that is far beyond the worldly love that we have ever tasted. So let Christ be the center and help us to live out this vision of love as a Christ-honoring community in building church. Our desire is to be known for our love for one another. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.